Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. Bum, bum, bum. It's been a while. It's true. Uh, this is uh, this is not our first attempt to revive this show, but hopefully this one sticks. It's a good uh, plan. So the plan is is to get back to a weekly show here. Uh, we're going to see a lot more. We do have a lot of Star Wars content. It's not that we've totally abandoned the show. There is material. If you're looking for some of our stuff, and for those of you who don't know, this show is part of the Science Fictionary. So the Science Fictionary YouTube channel, I didn't want to run two YouTube channels. It didn't make sense to try to grow two YouTube channels independently. Eventually monetize two YouTube channels. Right. Well, it's like like a hassle. Like I'd like to eventually monetize the YouTube channel. So we got to monetize something, hon. (sighs) Right now, I just like I need to monetize something, even if it's mowing yards. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's the problem with all of our hobbies. We uh, us and our expensive hobbies. Yeah. (laughs) So so there is there is stuff if you go back through some of the Star Wars TV stuff. uh, There is stuff over there on the YouTube channel. Most TV reviews have moved to the YouTube channel rather than the podcast. It's true. Uh, that way, it was the the best way for us to move those things to the forefront and get them out quickly. After an episode, we found ourselves recording. We had a set recording day every week, and then we would, and and then, so it was like something would release on a Wednesday, and then our recording day wouldn't be till the next Tuesday, and right. then it wouldn't get released until the next Tuesday, and so we were two weeks after an episode or a week and a half after an episode putting material out, and so yes, you can find all of our TV reviews. So right now, Bad Batch will be doing some stuff over there. We hadn't really we've been behind uh, January for various reasons. It's just a busy month and. Is kind of part of our, it's, it's, it's part of a sort of break. We never took a full break from the show, but we did. We did for like two weeks because I was in the bed. Well, we did slow down during December and January. And, and yeah, we had some stuff in, in early January that caused us to not start back when we thought we would. But we will be doing Bad Batch over there. There will be weekly reviews of The Mandalorian and whatever live action shows come out this year. Animation, we're probably not going to get to quite as quickly. Padawan Report is also likely to be doing some YouTube stuff uh, soon. And we'll be back to do, we'll be doing Bad Batch with them. Uh, I'm going to be sitting down with at least Iana and possibly both of the two oldest, or, or maybe even all three, to talk Wing Feather Saga. It's true. Uh, which is totally unrelated to this conversation, except that all that stuff will probably wind up on the YouTube channel. But yes, so when we started this show, I, I can't believe I, COVID has just been a time vortex. Uh, we started the other show, which I never intended to become the main show. It kind of did. A little uh, bit, this yeah. show ended up taking a little bit of a backseat because... Most everybody else involved wanted to do that show rather than this one. And so for the last three years, we've been making an effort to grow that show. And this one did take a backseat. That and some frustration with the brand in general. I mean, well, we've always kind of made a point that we don't really spend a lot of time talking about things we dislike. doesn't mean we never bring it up, but that's not really, really like to dwell on. So if there's something going on... In Star Wars that we're just not crazy about, we we don't really have much to say. Right. Uh, and, and so with a Andor, we do have reviews of Andor on the YouTube channel. Uh, fantastic series, uh, at least the last half. I love the last five episodes. I yeah, was kind of indifferent, indifferent to it before that point. But you can find the reviews for Andor over on the YouTube channel. They definitely got more enthusiastic as the season wore on. Like, after about the halfway point, it really started to pick up for us. Well, and it hit a point where it, I guess, to me, felt like Star Wars. And I know for some people, some people loved the whole series. I'm happy for that. Like, I know there would be people that would, you know, like to smack me for saying it didn't feel like Star Wars. But uh, not to say that it was bad, but it was lacking some Star Wars elements. It's kind of like we have uh, this new season of Star Wars Visions coming up, mm-hmm. which is kind of a 
I, I don't care that much about them because they're kind of throwaway. They don't mean anything to the grander lore. Uh, some of them were fine, but I sort of felt like doing anime Star Wars sort of took all of the elements that make Star Wars Star Wars and stripped them all away. You basically just made anime with a Star Wars twist. Uh, you know, with some vague... Some of them didn't seem Star Wars at all. It's true. Like the the one with the weird creatures. I mean, that went through me. Yeah, I mean, but there's another season of that. So we got a lot of stuff we'll be talking about this year. There's a Star Wars celebration coming up uh, in just a few months that I'm sure we, we will be talking about as that gets closer. Uh, we will not be going this year. Because it is in London, and we will continue our crusade to bring Star Wars Celebration to New Orleans. Because I'm all about driving distance. <laughs> it's not just about driving distance for me, though. Driving distance is certainly a bonus. My bank account says that driving distance is a bonus. <laughs> well, I mean, Orlando's driving distance, too. That's true. But New this Orleans is, is cooler than Orlando. New Orleans is in our backyard, and New Orleans is cooler than Orlando. Yeah, it's in New Orleans well, I mean, yeah, cool. you have Disney World in Orlando, but... Uh, but you have New Orleans and New Orleans. See, yeah, I mean, the like... The food, though. The food. Oh, the food. You can get fake New Orleans food at Disney World. You can get real New Orleans food in New Orleans. That's true. And especially if, you if know they where have to go, it... Because you can't get bad food in New Orleans, too, if you're not watching. If you go to the touristy places. That's true. But even the touristy places are better than most places that purport to be Cajun food other places. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've never been to New Orleans or Mississippi or South Louisiana at all, you just, and you go to a place that's Cajun food, odds are they're just pouring a whole bunch of cayenne in it and calling it Cajun. Which is valid, I guess. Yeah, but that's not what Cajun food is. It's a great place to go eat, even if you're not doing anything else. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't tend to be into your typical New Orleans scene. You know, I'm not super into you know, drunk people and, you know, topless Mardi Gras parades. You know, it's not really my jam, but, you know, it's a good place to go eat, by golly. It's also a great place for a convention. We do it's go true. to a convention mm -hmm. there every year. It's a it's a great place. The, the venue is more than big enough. So I don't know if it'll ever happen. I sort of feel like the days of Star Wars Celebration traveling very far away from a park are probably over. There's not one in London, is there? There's not, but there is one in Paris. Like, I mean, but I mean, those are two different countries. But it's you London. Get... It's London. It's where they make Star Wars movies. That's true. That's true. I, you know, it it is what it is. But I I sort of feel like it's gonna. I sort of feel like what we're gonna get. Did you drink something that bad? Mm -hmm. I got a big old mouthful of beet powder. Kind of tastes like dirt. She did say beet powder, not feet powder, which is what I heard. <laughs> but I sort of feel like I feel like what we're probably going to see with Star Wars Celebration is Anaheim, Orlando International. Yeah, uh, I feel like the they'll mix it up where the international one goes. Uh, I mean, there is also a, a Disney World, a Disneyland, Disney World. There's a Disney Park in Tokyo. So I feel like that's a pretty yeah. good chance we'll get that at some point. Yeah, not, but I, I mean, which would be super cool because like there's some really, you know, like really, really enthusiastic um, Japanese yeah. Star Wars fans. There are, but I feel like so they'll do the two park cities in the U.S. and then they'll throw it out to an international city to just mix it up and and kind of cater every f so many years to the. Uh, other, yeah, the other to the international fans. Yeah. I mean, if you're in Europe, like traveling around Europe is a lot easier than like than than coming into the U.S. from Europe. That's true. So, I mean, when you hold one in Europe, it's easier for people from all over Europe to come. So I kind of feel like that's, and I feel like the next international one will probably go to Japan. Yeah, I think so. But we'll see. Uh but, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have it. There, there are some things swirling out there in the, in the ether about some stuff at Star Wars Celebration, but I'm not quite ready to talk about it, and I'm not sure this is the venue. 
So uh, we will pass over that for now. And uh, what is what are you most excited about this year, Star Wars wise? That's a good question. Okay, so we've got just to, I to mean, review we're just a month from the Mandalorian. We've got the three. Mandalorian season three. We've got Ahsoka. We've got what else? Um, so for sure this year we have the Mandalorian, we have visions, we have the young Jedi adventures, which is going to be another animated series. I don't know who's doing it. I don't have a lot of faith in star Wars animation without Dave Filoni at the helm. And I don't think he is on that. Uh, we have star Wars skeleton crew, which is shaping up, I think to be really, really good. Is that coming out this year? That's the word. Huh. Okay. Uh, we have unless something has changed. I do believe that comes out this year, uh, and we have Ahsoka. Okay. Um, there were some other things, uh, the acolyte, which I'm gonna be honest. I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. It was the worst. It was the most ill-conceived project mm -hmm. in the entire slate. Yeah. Like there's nothing about the acolyte that that should have ever existed as far as what direction they were going to go with it, who was in charge of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it. If it happens, I think you're developing something that is, I think you've got a person developing, developing it that's going to set out to be divisive, and I think you wind up with something that's every bit as divisive as The Last Jedi. Uh, yeah. because, because that's what they're going to go for. Right. And I, and I hate to say that, like, I don't, you know, I, if it comes out, I'm going to watch it because it's Star Wars, unless it just turns out to be horrifically bad. But that's, that's pretty much, I mean, right now I'm, I, I can't get past anything else. I'm just ready for the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as Andor was good, but Mandalorian is peak Star Wars. Yeah. It is, in my opinion, the Mandalorian is far and away the best series so far of the live action. Not only is it far and away better, it's the only one that I would probably rank ahead of some movies at this point. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I, I feel like I, I am excited about the Mandalorian. I th you know, the thing is we know you, we have a pretty good idea of what we're getting with the Mandalorian. Ahsoka could be phenomenal. It could just be fine. You well, know, the, it's it's a little bit of a toss up, uh, and especially as as excited as I mean, you know, like Obi Wan was my pick of the decade for Star Wars projects, and I enjoyed it. It wasn't quite everything that I hoped it would be. I just I didn't feel like we had the people running that show, and I like Deborah Chow as a director. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel like we had the the writers on board. Yeah, to write. I, I don't think we had the people on board to un, that understood the character well enough yeah. to tell the story. Although Obi-Wan's characterization was really not the weak point. That's true. Um, and like I said, I really enjoyed Obi-Wan, but it was, I wouldn't say it's better than The Mandalorian, which I wanted it to be. Yeah. Because it's Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's just my favorite. Um, so I think I probably am going to tentatively pick The Mandalorian. Um, as my favorite project, but I really, really do like Ahsoka. I am really excited about the Ahsoka. Well, the show. interesting thing about that one is that one fall, falls kind of in the same. It's going to be very tied in some ways because Ahsoka has been in the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. It's going to have some connection, some connective tissue tying it to Favreau's stuff. Uh, Filoni is doing the show. Mm -hmm. I, the story is going to be great. I don't. I mean, like Filoni is the best storyteller working in Star Wars right now, and is his favorite one of his favorite characters, right? But Filoni, Filoni is it's it's not close. He's far and away the best storyteller working in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There's there's nobody that's a close second. Yeah. The problem is, this is his live action. Then he did direct some episodes of The Mandalorian. To kind of mix reviews, but this is his first time helming a live action show. Okay. 
So while I think the while I think the story will be great, we'll have to see what it actually looks like on the screen. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be good, uh, and it's basically it's called Ahsoka, but it's it's really the next chapter of Star Wars Rebels. It's post Rebel era, but it's the the Rebels. Uh, it's right. the Ghost Crew and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm real interested to see where that one's going to go. What are you thinking about Bad Batch season two compared to first season? Compared to the first, okay. Bad Batch was never my favorite Clone Wars storyline. No. Um, so the Bad Batch, I'm moderately indifferent to anyway. Um, I enjoyed the first season fine. It's not... I mean, it's... At, at recording time, 10.30 at night on Thursday, and we haven't even watched yes, yesterday's episode yet. So, well, we would have tonight, except I forgot about it, and I wanted to watch the finale of season nine of Stargate. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Um, so, you know, it's fine. It's not really anything to write home about currently to me, though. Yeah, I mean, so I thought the the last chapters of the first season were very good. I didn't care anything about the characters initially. Mm-hmm. In fact, I thought it was almost. I just thought it felt a little silly initially with the the different skill sets and the clones that were defective clones that basically are superheroes because of their mutations or whatever. Right. It was, I don't know, it was a little bit superhero comic booky, mm-hmm. and it, it but it, it's fine. Um, but I, I the characters grew on me. And by the end, I liked the story with the destruction of the facilities on Camino and all that. Um, again, it's not, it's way better than Resistance, but it's no Clone Wars. It's no Rebels. Yeah, I really, I mean, maybe Resistance really would have picked up after that first season or second season. How long did it even well, run? Well, Resistance is why I just don't have faith in animated stuff that doesn't have Filoni involved. Yeah. Um, it was... It was so childish that even my children didn't love it. The only really good episodes of Resistance... And it, wasn't what they, it, it was never what they told us it was going to be. No. and But the only really good episodes of Resistance were the episodes where it was basically Starkiller base from another perspective. When we find out he had family on Hosnian Prime and all of these things. Like, that was really the most compelling stories. And it was basically just the same story. We already knew just from a different point of view. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I'm, I'm all for them making animated stuff that's geared more towards kids, Mm -hmm. but I will point out that my kids who were what seven, 10 and 12 at the time, Younger than that, Elijah's only eight now, so like well, it's six. just last year, right? Two years ago, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was just last year. Okay. But, like we said, the black hole that is uh, 2020 has but, just warped our, re- our perception of time. But regardless, like the kids just didn't care for it. Yeah. Are we talking about res- which one are we talking Resistance. About? Uh, Resistance was actually further back. I was talking, when I said last year, I was talking about Bad Badge. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I thought we were talking. I thought we were vacillating a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. So the I don't know. I just I, the animated stuff in a post Rebels and post Clone Wars world just hasn't found its footing yet. Yeah. Resistance, I think, was just filler. Yeah, and while it, it we ran from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty. Yeah, Resistance, I think, was largely used as filler. While we waited on the movie and for Rebels Season 7. Mm. Not Rebels. While we waited on Clone Wars Season 7. Right. That was the one I was excited about was the the Clone Wars. Man, talk about good anime. Again, the some of those, the best, you know, those were some great from another point of view episodes. They really did an excellent job. 
filling out episode three there. So hopefully, hopefully we're fixing to get into a lot more good Star Wars content. Like I said, you know, I just, I kind of, I didn't want to get rid of this show. I, a lot of people have transitioned their Star Wars show into general shows because they didn't want to keep doing Star Wars every week. Yeah. But we already have and, a general show. Well, no, but we could have general. This show could have just evolved that direction. It's true. And I didn't want it to. I kept this one because this was my, you know, my project and I wanted to keep it this way. Of course, now our, the show has just, the, the, the people involved has dwindled overall. Right, right. So I'd love to get some of the people that were involved back, but right now that's not really in the cards. Um, you know, my biggest gripe and kind of what pushed me, you know, kind of got me more disgruntled with Star Wars than anything. And I've talked about this. I'm not going to go into it is the books. Mm -hmm. Um, I am going to attempt to reread the high Republic stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't know why. Probably mostly just cause I bought the whole first art. Right. Uh, so I feel like I ought to read them since I bought them, mm -hmm. but I just don't care for them. Uh, it does some stuff that's, I, I believe that they do things and I only read the first book and I tried to read the second one and I couldn't get going in it. I felt like it did stuff that was damaging to, okay, so there's a caveat to this. It does stuff that's damaging to the lore. If you kind of look at it through legends. Okay. Yeah, that like makes sense. it's stuff that's not technically canon lore right now, but we keep hoping, but I think that. The advent of of the High Republic just acts as a whole bunch of potential legend stories. Mm -hmm. I feel like it, it totally changes the history of the galaxy. Of course, my biggest gripe is this whole thing where it's a thousand years. And it's like, it's, it, it wasn't a thousand years. It was a thousand generations. It seems like a and those are obvious. And those are not the same thing. Right. They're very different. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're talking at least 15 to 20,000 years. So, I mean, in 15 years is cutting generation. And then the I don't like generation pretty close. Right. And so I don't like necessarily doing something in the high Republic where it's only a few hundred years before. And then we're doing things and acting like hyperspace travels kind of new and they hadn't quite figured it out yet. Uh, as far as hyperspace lanes, there's only a few hyperspace lanes that have been mapped. And mm -hmm. it's like, to me, that's throwing away the whole Old Republic. Unless you want to go with the, uh, we've had a Dark Age narrative. And I mean, that's always. A Dark Age narrative in a technologically advanced galaxy is kind of a hard sell. I mean, you're going to have the whole galaxy experience a Dark Age at once. It doesn't really work for me. Yeah. There would have to be some kind of galaxy-wide But at cataclysm. the same time, you've got, like, even the Bad Batch that keeps showing us more old technology and stuff. So we'll see where they go with it. Ultimately, I think that books don't really matter anymore. I think they set it up and kind of said everything's connected and everything matters and... I, but the fact I, of the matter is there's still a hierarchy just like there always was. Yeah. Movies are always going to take precedent. The movies are always going to take precedent. TV will sit just under those. Mm -hmm. And if, and if your writers writing TV won't, if, if Dave Filoni wants to scrap something from the high Republic, guess what? Mm -hmm. He's going to scrap it. So, you know, it is what it is. And the, there's nobody to really stop it because apparently the, that's not the, the story, story group's group really ineffectual anyway. But they're also insistent that that's not what they do. They don't police story. Then what do you do? Right. I mean, obviously Pablo Hidalgo works there and he just spends his time collecting information and publishing books. Right. So like he's doubling down on the money. He basically uses his job to afford him information that other people don't have access to so that he can write books. But he writes like Star Wars, like visual encyclopedias and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. But that that has become more and more of a question though. The question of what does the story group actually do? It seems to me that all that they do is uh record the the material you know, record a sort of history of 
the galaxy and if a new writer comes in and does something that screws it up they just like squeeze it in there somehow figure out the in-universe explanation for things uh, but they don't seem to actually do anything uh, as far as what their title would have you believe they do. It's clear that when it comes to the lore that Dave Filoni is the man. Yeah. Then there's, there's nobody else. Mm-hmm. You could replace the whole story group with Dave Filoni. Oh, yeah, I think so. At least in the, you know, in, in, in the lore aspect, you know, whatever else they're doing, you know, writing books putting together timelines, whatever, you know, that kind of work. But as far as the, the kind of the scope of how it all fits together, yeah, Dave Filoni's definitely, definitely the man. Yeah. Well, this is, I think this is all just, I think it's just a big part of what's happening over there. I just don't think there's a lot of order mm-hmm. to the way things are being done. Yeah. I think it's why the Mando and the stuff connected to it is somewhat working because Filoni's taking care of tracking that lore. Because there was a plan? Right. But it's, but it's not just that. You've got somebody that cares about the lore that's... You know, you've got story group members out there basically saying they don't care about canon. It's right. like... Okay. okay. What do you do? Okay, so speaking of... we So we were watching Star Trek 2009 the other day. And when we got to... The, you know, and... and you know, I know a lot of people have opinions about J.J. Abrams, but I really thought that was such a phenomenal Star Trek movie. I really enjoyed um, that the whole Kelvin arc. And after watching it, I looked at Andrew and I said, isn't it really a shame that they didn't just let him make the whole series? I really think that if J.J. Abrams would have made the sequel series himself, while there may have been things about it that, that people didn't love, I really think we would have gotten a cohesive, coherent story. Yeah, no. I, that I, people, that the casual fan would have really appreciated. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think you would have gotten a perfect trilogy by any stretch. The, 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 but the, the Force Awakens is fine. The Force now, Awakens. The Force Awakens is totally unnecessary. It's fun, but you didn't really have to do a soft reboot. In a lot of ways, it is a retelling of the first story. Yeah. But I don't think that, that was totally unnecessary. And I think that if they had avoided that from the start, would have also eliminated a lot of other problems. If we had just set out, told something brand new and fresh mm-hmm. instead of rehashing a new hope. I, so I think those two things combined, and and that's me saying that I like the Force Awakens fine. Mm-hmm. I think I think that the the whole um, story arc though would have gone a very different. I think we would have seen because literally as soon as we get J.J. Abrams back, we're all like you know um, oh, we, no. we 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 get out with Finn is Force sensitive, which obviously we're getting clues for that in the first movie but they totally dropped it with episode two yeah well that was the problem with switching directors was they had different they had different ideas about what these different characters role in the the story should be and i really and then so you you have you have ron johnson comes in minimizes the role of some of the characters from the first movie and then then creates new characters and then JJ comes back and JJ doesn't care about those new characters. He wants to pick up and try to try to piece back together what he was doing originally. And what on earth were they going to do? Why on earth would you kill off Snoke and kill off Luke? But that's what I'm talking in about. In your second episode. Like what the hell? He knew he wasn't making movie 3, so I just feel like he was just like a big middle finger to whoever made the next one. Yeah. Like, all right, y'all have fun with that. Like, that doesn't make a good story. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of problems with the sequel trilogy. Uh, Besides the just uncohesive nature of them, uh, I'm not a fan of what they did with some of the Force powers. Mm, Um, We keep getting this excuse, well, we, we, we won't do Starkiller because, uh, oh, it's, it's the, it's, it's overpowered, and it's more like video game power ups than 
what were shown in the first movies. And then they turn around and basically do that and come up with these. And I know people are saying, oh, well, some of those force powers that he used came straight from these books about the Sith and the Jedi. Yeah, crap, late era Legends books. Like yeah. those books, they weren't even real books. They're just like, this like a handbook of, you know, a Sith handbook and a Jedi handbook. And they weren't even uh, good. Okay. They were just at the height of my buying Star Wars stuff. I didn't buy those books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's where that stuff came from. And it, uh, that, that's kind of from that same, I don't know. It, it's just. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I didn't actually, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to start a tangent of all the things we hey, dislike. Well, welcome back to Coruscant Radio Underground. <laughs> this happens sometimes where we just revisit but, old conversations even but what that I, we haven't had in a year and a half. But what I really was just getting at was, I, I'm, I'm kind of sad we didn't get to see yes. the story that J.J. Abrams planned out. Because it has, it really has come out. At this point, that yes, yes, there was a plan. He did have a plan. He had an arc. Um, and they went a totally different direction. And I just hate that we didn't get to see the arc because I think the yeah, arc no, I think he threw would have a, been a really interesting story. Right. Well, the the Finn, you know, the thing is, they did John Boyega dirty, that's and that's really, largely mm-hmm. because of the. I think JJ had he been able to would have come back to that. Mm-hmm. But I think that he was put in such a hole that he had to climb out of that there was no time to come back to it. So basically, he gives us a little nod at mm-hmm. the end that yeah, Finn's a Jedi or has right. Force sensitive, right? Um, but I, at that point, they had done him so dirty, and I felt like they did the original cast real dirty. Mm-hmm. I think really that unless they just come out with a Finn the Jedi series that John Boyega will probably never touch Star Wars again. I mean, the talk right now is that, you know, and it's all rumor, but the talk right now is that Daisy Ridley is about to come back and do another movie. Really? I, it may be total crap. Like that would be, that would be surprising. Well, she hasn't had a lot of success Post Star Wars, which is kind of the Star Wars syndrome. Yeah. So let's talk about this to kind of springboard into the topic I wanted to get into. So we do some do something new besides rehashing old stuff tonight. So if Daisy Ridley were to come back right now, mm-hmm. what what do you think? Where do they go? Are we picking up with Daisy Ridley with with Ray right after the events of the Rise of Skywalker, or are we picking up with? Ray 10 years later or I mean we've got to pick it up 10 years later because it's been you know maybe not 10 years but it's been several years and she's kind of at that age where I mean she was what 20 when they did the first movie like people tend to change a bit between 20 and 30 yeah and it's always a little jarring when they bring an actor back and they're like look they haven't aged a day it's like "Mm, but yes huh here's here's the only concern I have, if this is true, is that basically we're going to do the story that should have always been Luke. That's kind of what I was thinking. Mark Hamill was too old to come back and play young Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. out there exploring the galaxy and learning about mm-hmm. the Force. Right. That's the movie we should have always gotten. And so I always felt like the only reason to reset with Ray was so that you had an actor that could go have that adventure. And, and actually, it, and it, I think that... Without having to, like, massively de-age somebody for a whole movie, which just isn't going to work. Yeah, that's... Or recast. Because I think Solo, as much as I liked Solo, uh, and I will be the first to tell you, yeah, no, Alden Ehrenreich does not look like Harrison Ford, but I think that he played the role well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that he didn't get stuck doing a Han Solo impression. He picked up enough of Harrison Ford's mannerisms to make it passable. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked for me. Uh, there are, I do have issues with that movie, uh, mostly because it was a mess because of the production changes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really did love Solo though. 
Uh, that is much... the fact I've totally lost confidence in John Caston as a writer after Willow. <sighs> yeah. But I do, um, there were a lot more things I liked about Solo than I disliked about it. But yeah. I think what you were getting at was it's proof that recasting a yeah. legacy character like that is not going to automatically yeah, be popular. No, recasting is, is going to be a rough road. So, you know, it's fine. I like the Ray character. I don't like what they did with the story in places. I like Finn. I don't like what they did with his story. You know, and honestly, though, maybe we get Finn and Ray, you know, kind of having a buddy cop, you know, jaunt across the galaxy, learning about the Force, kind of. Now, and trying to look. That being said, do they have to have the journey that Luke would have had? Because they have. And the, he did. They have we the have, Jedi text. Mm -hmm. We could actually see current Mark Hamill as. I wanted to see Mark Hamill as Gandalf, right? Like mm -hmm. I wanted him to be Gandalf in this this introducing you know taking this new crew on an adventure. So he that's could, what I wanted. We could see we could Force see Go Force Ghost. I like Force Goose. Force yeah. Goose. Force Ghost. Luke Skywalker, and that could be really interesting because I feel like because so. Then you then Luke can still play a role in mm -hmm. refounding the Order. I feel like he's a little Solomon. Like we 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 were reading about King Solomon on Sunday and you know, he's like, he's got all the wisdom. He's got all the things, you know, he's got all the wealth, all the power, all the everything. Right. And he sort of, as he gets older, he kind of loses his way. He loses his perspective. He really starts to make some bad decisions. And at the very end of his life has this clarity of, you know, all of these things are vanity and chasing after the wind. This is the worthwhile thing. And so I feel like that's a little bit what we got with Luke. We got him when he was young and he had a lot of the, you know, he was powerful and he was motivated and he was bright eyed and bushy tailed, you know, kind of goes, gets jaded, makes bad decisions. And then at the very end sort of has that clarity to sort of reject the sort of pessimism that he'd been spouting yeah. since, since the, the things went bad. Um, and so it would be interesting. I think I would enjoy getting to see him as a force ghost with his, a little more perspective. Yeah. And we need to, cause we, he died. With I more feel perspective. like this is also a good story to tell, to really kind of define what the, what a Jedi can do as a force ghost. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like they did some things I didn't like in these move in the, the movies. Okay. Uh, which was force ghost interacting with the physical world. Okay. Um, the but only I mean, way Obi-Wan, like, I mean, he was sitting on a rock. He was, you know, he was interacting with we physical things. Picking stuff up and throwing stuff or lifting things out of the ocean or. He wasn't lifting things out of the ocean as a force ghost. That was before he force ghostified, wasn't it? Luke? Luke? Yeah. In the third movie, he definitely raises his X-Wing out of the water for Ray. It's in the third one? Oh, you're right. It is. Okay. I was thinking that Doesn't was Doesn't Luke raise it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. But I mean, yeah. Okay. Now, okay. So there is a caveat to whether, uh, how I feel about it. If this is just a general thing that Force Ghost can do. Now, granted, Force Ghost, the whole Force Ghost thing, it's not that it was never possible before, but for the Jedi, mm -hmm. it's a relatively new thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're learning to become more and more powerful as Force Ghost. But mm -hmm. the explanation that I would like for them to go with, the only time we see it happen are in places of power right. within the Force. And uh, also and so with maybe there's Force a, items. Right, but maybe it's that it's a place that's so strong in the Force, mm -hmm. uh, like Octo, mm -hmm. that, or Dagobah, or Dagobah, that because those places are power powerful with the Force, mm -hmm. that they can manifest more powerfully there. Yeah, well, and even you know the things that we see Luke interacting with, and we see him pulling an X wing out with the Force. Right, he's not grabbing the X wing by the wing and pulling it up, and the only the only thing we see him catch is a lightsaber, which has been associated with, you know, has, has been the property of a force user for, I mean, a long including, time at this point, including, including his, his own, his father, like this is almost, if anything, yeah. so, wired to his force DNA. Saying, like we were left open-ended as right. to how far those powers extend. Mm -hmm. So I think 
seeing Luke as the Gandalf character I wanted him to be mm-hmm. can still happen. Right. So I'm curious to see where they're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we we didn't get the one Force Ghost scene. I really that we didn't get that I really wanted was we got voices, mm-hmm. but I wanted to physically see. That was my biggest disappointment with the Last Jedi. I wanted to see Force Ghosts popping up around her. Yeah. So maybe um, when they do the I, uh, special edition, right? Because I still don't like. I don't love the and I'm all the. Jedi thing like I, I, I it was a again it was that oh we can't do we can't do Star Killer because it's too OP but we can do this right like we have to like there's got to be something here to define what's gonna fly and what's not well and also the other interesting thing that I think because they they really went into I did like the force dyad as a concept. I thought that was a no, really interesting concept. No, it's not it's not really necessarily a new concept. So. No, but but they they really went into it. But also I think it's will be interesting to see how powerful Ray actually is now that Kylo is gone. Yeah. Um and maybe Or is it a bond with him is that, you know, it, I always say everybody's like, "Oh, he's going to come back." Like if he comes back, it should be as a force ghost. Absolutely. Uh, he shouldn't. They shouldn't re. You know, they shouldn't have Kylo come back to life. No. Uh, oh God, no. No, because then all of a sudden that makes the sacrifice cheap. I don't think Adam Driver ever comes back to Star Wars. I don't think so. He's doing well. He's doing well. He's doing very well. Not only is he doing well. Uh, I feel like some of the stuff in the way that some of the fans went kind of crazy around him was just more than he wanted to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I kind of think that he, I kind of get the impression that he's a little bit of an introvert, a, a lot of an introvert, um, and doesn't really understand the obsessive. Well, he also didn't. It was it wasn't just obsessive. It was weird. Yeah, there was, was some creepy stuff. It was creepy. And I think that's what he didn't didn't care for because he was the focal point for a lot of that. For 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 the weird like fetishy yes. kind of stuff going on, yeah, that's that. Um, and especially if he comes back and interacts with Ray. But I I personally would love to see him and Luke, you know, Luke Force Ghost and uh and Ben Solo Force Ghost giving each other a side eye, sitting there arguing about what Ray ought to do next. I think that would be great. Yeah. I, I would totally be there for but that. I think that he probably doesn't come back. But again, like if we're do, if Ray's coming back, I want to see. Okay, so in this, I want to see the refounding of the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even like the idea. There's a lot of this idea that all of Luke's students died, mm-hmm. but when we go back and look at the comics where the there's just a few students, mm-hmm. young students who die, mm-hmm. which I, to me still leaves room for older students to have already gone out into the galaxy. Right. Because in the, in, in legends, his students aren't all kids. Right. Some of them are, are full grown adults that are force users right. that come to him, they train and then they go out on their own. Mm-hmm. And so I I would like to see, some other force users in the galaxy, possibly some students of Luke Skywalker's. Mm-hmm. I would like to see some students possibly of Ahsoka at this point out in the galaxy. Um, and this is, so there's a couple of things I want to kind of talk about tonight. And we're going to kind of talk about them briefly because I think these are, tonight was just kind of a get, get an episode out, get back on track kind of thing. So I think these are ideas that we can go very deep with probably even multiple episode things with, but like, what do you want to see? Like the refounding of the Jedi and, and for, so for, to set the, to, to kind of set the stage here, we get this idea through rebels in particular, uh, even to some extent in clone wars. Um, and of course in legends, this was the case that the Jedi were not always, one united body on Coruscant. Right. That uh, There were temples all over the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, and possibly much like you see in, 
And and because it's it's all you you got to get into Lucas's head. This was about spirituality and about getting kids to explore spirituality. And it's it's Christianity, it's Buddhism, it's it's Hinduism, it's it's all these all these different things kind of just smushed together. But it's this idea that there are different schools of thought mm-hmm. on what the Jedi are, what their roles should be, right. And how they go about those things. And I like that. I really, really like that. And I mm-hmm. want to see... So so the the idea that I get... And of course, this they could write this, change this, and it would just destroy my whole theory. But my whole theory on the Jedi is that the, as they became sort of... They weren't fully corrupted, but as they kind of bought into the opulence... And the, I think they're kind of the medieval church. Yeah. They, they've kind of become a little bit more about the show than about the tell. And I feel like that's when it becomes the church on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Right? It becomes this, 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 this is the advent of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. It's you go from the church, which is the people worshiping, right, to this place, mm-hmm. to Rome. Right. And I feel like that's what the the temple on Coruscant represents mm-hmm. is this embrace of, of a dogma rather right. than the true meaning of, 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 of what they're doing of the force and what their purpose is. Yeah. Um, so I want to see as a new Jedi order is founded because there's always been this idea. It's going to be Luke's school, right? Right. Which is what Legends did. It's fine. Um, If they go this route, it's not that big of a deal. But I feel like what I want to see is a a new Jedi order. Or or I want to see Jedi, but of different schools of thought. We keep establishing that there are different survivors. Mm -hmm. Some, a lot of who were very young. Mm-hmm. And so their experiences is that of their masters, who we keep establishing have different schools of thought. Right. So if we see a school that is a continuation of Luke's teaching run by Ahsoka, I mean run by run by Ray, and we see a temple that is uh, Ahsoka's thoughts, which are, you know, even more pure. Right. Or, you know, Cal Kestis. You see some that are more spiritual and some that are more martial. And I and I want to see that variety. I, I'm I'm still of the impression that Dave Filoni is has the Jedi and the Mandalorians running a parallel course, mm-hmm. where okay. their their differences now can be set aside that they have more in common than difference. And I think that if we were to see Ahsoka found a school, that it makes a lot of sense that it would be on Mandalore. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. But I want to see different schools of thought. I want to see, and, and possibly even these different groups butting heads. Well, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. Is like I, I'm kind of thinking through this. You could have the Jedi Wars, which are... It, which is exactly what I was going to say, because you you see through, through most of the Renaissance, you see religious wars um, between different brands of Christianity. You see, right now, you look at the Middle East and you see different um, denominations of Islam who hate each other just as much as they hate non-believers and bloody ideological wars about things that seem like from the outside seem, seem like they're just splitting hairs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just sort of the nature of religious wars within one faith. Yeah. Um, And of course, everyone is determined that, whoever does not agree with me is obviously has no right to call themselves a member of this faith because they're really wrong and I'm right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that could be a really interesting, a really interesting dynamic. And honestly, you know, talking about a, a potential, like we were talking earlier about the mechanics of a galaxy wide dark age. I mean, a Jedi war, that that's the sort of thing, you know, people with that kind of power. Right. And, uh, and it could be that you're dark. I mean, so 
for for clarification on a dark age, like the dark ages are, you know, named that because they're before the the enlightenment. The enlightenment. Right. It's not because there was a total law. Like we get this impression, and I mean, they even kind of teach you in a lot of schools that it was because it was a dark age. It was a dark time, and it was when knowledge was lost. And well, that knowledge wasn't lost. No, but, but there were keepers of that knowledge and places where it was non-existent. Um. That. But and and by and large, a lot of the powers that be intentionally suppressed knowledge in order yes. to keep the masses subjugated. You know, right. your 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 Athenian citizen, anyone who was a free man in Athens was expected to understand democracy. And in the Middle Ages, they did not want people to understand things like this because they wanted them to stay subjected. And so you see pockets, you see um, pockets in a, a couple of liberal Islamic palaces and rulers and dynasties. And you see, you know, monks in, in Ireland, you see a kind of little pockets of knowledge in places like, you know, Alexandria, Egypt, or in Ethiopia, you know, but the general expectation that people understood these things was just sort of lost. Yeah. Um, and I think that that could, you know, in, in a, in the same way that we live in a very interconnected world, if you live in a galaxy that's interconnected, it's very feasible that you could make technological advances in certain things, but also lose certain things, you know, that, that, that some things can be lost and sort of rediscovered at a later time. But that could be a really interesting Albeit kind of dark place for Star Wars to go, but in I want to see it. Era. But I do want to see it go back towards the spiritual. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what it's abandoned in, in some aspects. Yeah, that it it had to get bigger and showier in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of the same argument that people use against Star Trek: The Kelvin Timeline, where it had to become more action movie than mm-hmm. spiritual story. Um, and I think to some extent that's okay. Yeah. I mean, even some of the original Star Trek movies, some of them were very cerebral movies, and some of them were very spectacle. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, well, you the know, movies were why, all... why does God need a starship? Obviously is one of your more cerebral, you know, stories, but, and some of, a couple of them were just not very good. But I mean, I think that we will probably over the coming weeks really delve into our ideas about what we would like to see the Jedi become. Uh, The other big conversation we're going to have, and we can talk briefly about it tonight, but we're probably about at wrap-up time here, is Great Jedi. We've never done it on the show. Like, we've mentioned it briefly, mostly me griping about the concept. Uh Uh-huh. But there are two different definitions of what a Great Jedi is. Mm -hmm. One is totally throwaway. Yeah, you, they use dark side and light side. Basically, they get to use the dark without any consequences. Yeah, that's total garbage. Throw that in the trash. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one, a great Jedi is nothing more than someone who's not following the will of the order. Mm-hmm. They're basically heretics. They're heretics. They're on the outside. It doesn't mean that they're not good. Mm -hmm. And that they don't use only the light side of the force. It just means that they're not in great standing with the Jedi Order. Right. Such as it is. And I want to get into this because I've heard people claim that Obi-Wan is a great Jedi. But Obi-Wan is a Jedi's Jedi. Like, he's the poster boy, right? He's the most Jedi Jedi we've ever come across in Star Wars. Except for maybe Ahsoka. But Ahsoka declares herself to be not a Jedi. But in, in... I, but in doing so, and this was always Filoni's point, was that in abandoning the dogma, she became more about what a Jedi should be. Oh, absolutely. But, but as far as the Jedi of his time, Obi-Wan's the poster boy. He, and he is the, uh, not only is he the ideal Jedi, which I think Ahsoka is also that, he is also the orthodox Jedi which Ahsoka is not. Ahsoka does not always adhere to Jedi orthodoxy. Of the time. Of a, of a time when the Jedi are flawed. But Obi-Wan, even in, in their flaws, is always 
orthodox. Yeah. Well, so that's what, what I'm, I'm saying is he he is a Jedi and by any definition. He is the quintessential Jedi by any definition, not just what the Jedi might should ideally be, but the the epitome of working well within the existing system. Right. Um but he I, is he's Erasmus. Yeah. He's like there are problems, but I'm not I'm not leaving. Right? Whereas Ahsoka is Luther. She's like, peace out. I'm done. I want nothing to do with your institution. She's still adhering to the most basic tenets of what it means to be a She's Jedi. She's still a purely light side force and user. Some, and some but might, would be considered a great Jedi by the Order. Right. You know, so, some people could consider her a heretic. But I think the confusion about what people, people think that a great Jedi, like, I think most people think it's a great Jedi that does bad things. Like, a, it's a Jedi that's, that just mixes, that does light and dark, like we said initially. I've seen the whole, the fact that, well, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan fell in love with Satine. So clearly he was willing to buck the rules, but that wasn't a bad thing. He's right. not doing evil things. Right. He fell in love. Right. It's not advisable by the Order. Right. But it, it's not what the Order preaches, but... Unless the order decides to call him on it, uh, but so basically you have the two things again. It's it's the gray Jedi that's somehow using dark side powers without consequence, which does not work in the lore. It's total garbage, and the other side's a slur. <laughs> yeah, you know I feel like they've kind of been, in some ways, I think that there is going to be an increasing push to try and make gray characters in Star Wars because. There is an increasing push in society to not view anything as binary. Right. Um, you know, you can't be either good or bad. You right, because postmodernism either. is garbage also. But what I'm getting at is... Right, this but in a postmodern world. This is at odds with the basic tenets of, you know, the, the, the yin and the yang, the light and the dark, the good and the bad, the, the sun and the moon, the male and the female, the opposite and the tension... And all of these things are very sort of built into Star Wars originally. And I feel like there's going to be kind of be because there is less and less of a tendency as a society to view, like I said, to view things as a binary, right or wrong, good or evil, light or dark, everything. And we always want everything to be kind of in the middle as a culture. And I hope that they will not go too far down that path in Star Wars. You can uh, because, ruin the lore pretty fast. Because the, a, the idea that you can use the dark and not have consequences is completely antithetical to the all the ideas about the force. Right, and it abandons the idea that Star Wars is a good versus evil fairy tale. Right. So that, yeah. But I think, so we're not, you know, I'm not looking to get deep into that. We could talk about this for hours. But I want to explore the religious aspects mm -hmm. of... Of the Jedi, including the whole concept of gray Jedi. Yeah. No, I think that'll be an interesting uh, an interesting direction to go. All right. But uh, that's where we're going to wrap up. Glad to be back. Look for more stuff. I think we'll probably try to have some guests and do a full episode on a reestablished Jedi order. Maybe even some particulars of have people lay yeah. out what they would like to see. Just total fan mm -hmm. fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, where would you locate temples? Who would you have, like whose schools of thought would you have these things based on? Yep. You know, basically create lineage mm -hmm. of schools of thought. Yeah. Uh, work back through who we would have headed this, found this temple and work back through there. Well, and you have to have somebody who like met Qui-Gon as a child and like knows some things about him and decide that Qui-Gon is, is the ultimate Jedi, but doesn't actually know what Qui-Gon believes about anything. So he like cobbles it together and it's, it's wrong. Yeah. But it is taught as, as, as the dogma as the Qui-Gon way. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think, you know, so, so yeah, I think we'll probably do some specifics and then the great Jedi conversation is a very deep one. And, and of course we won't be just there, but we will expand on that idea and really get into the religious aspects of Star Wars and mm -hmm. why they're important and why Lucasfilm should be leaning back that direction. 
Uh, but we're glad to be back. Look for more regular episodes, including the stuff over on the YouTube channel. But until next time, Marisha, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And I'm Pete Padawans on Twitter. And I'm Andrew. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at C-R-U underscore podcast. You can find this show uh, or, or you can find YouTube episodes of this show at the science fictionary you can drop us a line at the science fictionary at gmail.com and you can find our podcast as well as all of the rest of the red five podcast family at red five network on twitter and until next time may the force be with you